of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Contra, I of course am the Commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia, Mr. NC Scott himself. And today I am joined by a very, very close friend of mine, a guy who I don't honestly these days don't get to talk to enough. And uh, we've been kind of going back and forth trying to make this podcast happen for a few weeks now. But Mr. Angry American, Chris Weatherman himself, what's up, brother? Not much, brother. How are you doing, man? It's always good to get on and talk with you. It is, dude. It is. It's uh, <laughs> um, getting ready to take off for class over in Tennessee, uh, and I'm going to be out there for fighting carbine and uh, followed up by an intelligence course that I'm teaching, and uh, really looking forward nice. to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's... it's um, the, the house is going to be packed for uh, for both of those, and um, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's always a good time. Oh, yeah, I wish wish I had free time, man. I'd come up and do that. I, I'm just trying to wrap up my children's book, Pedo Pete Takes a Shower. <laughs> well, it, it's... I got a feeling that that might be even more controversial than Matt Walsh's book on Amazon. Yeah, I, I think, think this one might get a little pushback again, I'm thinking. Well, so yesterday, yesterday I posted up um, some some real data from that, that was coming out, out of 4chan over there. And, and, and that's a good segue into kind of... Uh, jumping into the first topic that, that I wanted to get into with you because there's, there's a lot of things in the alternative media and kind of making its way over into the, the uh, normie media um, kind of the, the mainstream conservative media out there where, you know, they're, they're kind of telling you what is on there. I put up on AmericanPartisan.org. I just put up the raw data. Like, look, you want to look at it? Here it is. I'm not clicking on it myself, so I'm not opening that Pandora's box because knowing what the Bidens are into, um, what, what we've already seen, what limited amount we've already seen. And, and I know the YouTube censors are, are probably already chomping at the bit 
uh, waiting to to cancel this episode just like they did the the one with Rawls, uh, James Wesley Rawls right before this one. Yeah. They they canceled the shit out of that one too. But you know, hey, it is what it is. We're speaking truth to power here, and um, so I I put up the links like, hey, if if this is what you want, I just took the data from 4chan, the stuff that was out there. So it is open source. Um, put it up, put the links up. You click on it at your own discretion. If that's your thing, that's your thing. Dig, dig into it. But there, that's the door, um, so to speak. But, um, man, oh man, it, 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 it seems like, well, first of all, first of all, the elephant in the room is, is that there has got to be some level of complicity here between this this established hierarchy of government all the way at the top right this this political elite class and apple because they allowed it this is all on an apple cloud server that's how um the the hacker allegedly was from new zealand uh, who got into this and, and has been trying to get into it for some time now um the data was actually contained on an Apple cloud server. So what do you make of all this, man? Well, it, it just, it, it clearly demonstrates our two tier justice system. You know, um, if, if this was Trump that they had this information on, they, they would have went bananas with it, you know, I just saw a thing on on uh, Twitter today on, you know, CNN was interviewing Julian Assange and they asked him why WikiLeaks doesn't leak stuff about Trump. And he said, because we have nothing to leak. And I'm not here blowing Trump's horn, but it's just an example. If the shoe was under the foot, all of this would be headline news. It's all that it would dominate the news cycle. But since it's Biden's family, you don't even hear about it. They won't talk about it. You know, the media is complicit and the DOJ is owned, uh, not by Biden, I'm not exactly sure who, but but they just will not touch it. And it's ridiculous. Um, you know, laws for thee, but not for me. Well, they they don't want to touch that. I, I agree 100 percent. But they will. Very interestingly enough, you've got the New York Times <laughs> that is running this story that maybe at least in, in my opinion is even more damaging, uh, especially among the normies out there, your Democrats out there um, that hit Biden, Joe Biden specifically, let's, let's be specific. Uh, Joe Biden's approval rating is 33%. His average quote unquote, his average mm-hmm. approval ratings, 33% making him, the most unpopular president of all time. <laughs> uh, I think that th- this is this is a historic moment that their institutions, their own internal corruption, their own uh, pillars, so to speak, that they have created for themselves on the left are all failing and they're collapsing in on one another. What do you make of that? Well, it's it, it's interesting seeing WAPO and, and the New York Times turn on Biden. You know, they did that yesterday. Now they've kind of knives are out against Biden. Um, we know, you know, he's, he's saying he's going to run in 2024. The Democrats want nothing to do with him at this point. The, the progressives really want 
want nothing to do with him. Um, but they're struggling to find anybody to try to run right now. I mean, the names you're hearing out there are ludicrous. It's like, yeah, please, please run Stacey Abrams. Do that. I would, I would love to see you do that. Or, or Pete Buttigieg or, or any of these other names you're hearing coming out for potential candidates for 2024. It shows they have absolutely nobody. It also demonstrates how, how sure they were when Biden got elected that, that they had won the game. That they could just, you know, really stop thinking about it, that they had this in the bag. And now they're in an absolute panic because, you know, Trump may run, but if he doesn't, DeSantis will. And, you know, I think they're, I know they're terrified of DeSantis. They hate Trump, but they're scared of DeSantis because he doesn't have the baggage that Trump does. Yeah, that's true. And, and DeSantis is extremely popular among every yes, demographic group. I mean, you're in Florida, you're in tune to all this. He he DeSantis DeSantis's popularity is universal. I mean, you've got the mayor of Miami who really likes him. You've got the the political establishment down there. I was reading an article this morning um, that was titled the, the Battle for the Soul of Miami, which was fairly interesting that I was uh, skimming through while I was sipping coffee. And it was talking about uh, Mayor Suarez in Miami opening up. Miami and taking advantage of the the situation presented by COVID to invite in a lot of people from the tech sector into South Florida. And so they were embracing that. And there's there's a lot of pushback in Miami, too. There's a lot of uh, traditionalists in Miami that that really don't want those people there. There's some gentrification uh, and a lot of it that's going on. So there's those dynamics. But even still, it's very significant because here it is. This is a guy who is wildly popular in his home state. He is wildly popular across all demographics. Literally everything that they've thrown at him has has failed. I mean, this is almost kind of a, a, a Reagan-esque type character that, that's coming out with DeSantis. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I agree. He's he's doing the right things for the right reasons in my opinion and you're right he is wildly popular in florida you know newsom is actually running ads in florida against DeSantis, trying to convince people wow. to move to california from florida well, yeah wow. yeah i mean they're on the tv here local tv which is which is ludicrous because you know we've got california plates in florida too just like everywhere else does you know oh yeah um Companies, companies are closing down and leaving Illinois and California and New York to come here because this is a, a, a capitalist-friendly uh, environment down here. We like free markets, and we support business. We don't throw regulation in, in their way and, and try to tax them to death. You know? So you just look at what, what people and enterprise are doing, and they're all running to Florida. Yeah. and. I mean, for a good reason. I, I uh, was doing some some wheeling and dealing on the business end uh, just a few days ago with a, a friend of mine who happens to be an attorney, and we were talking about that kind of kind of very similar topics along those lines. And um, he was saying, you know, hey, we we were talking about setting up a, a new LLC for a couple of purposes that. Maybe revealed to the audience in in the the near future because uh, we're we're working on some stuff. Uh, but 
the the interesting thing though the interesting thing is that we were talking about where discussing kind of options and different things that were out there and he, he said you know florida's really making things competitive really really making things competitive on the business end and um it, i mean it's it's really incredible for businesses what they're doing so when you you put all those things together and you you're putting together this this larger picture DeSantis is definitely uh uh at least in my estimation, if Trump doesn't run, if Trump doesn't run, and, and I'm not saying that he will, I think that it would probably be a good idea. Um, if he, he needs to step up to the plate here pretty soon. Um, if, if that's going to happen, but I think DeSantis is definitely going to be, uh, the, the heir apparent to the MAGA political movement. Um, what do you make of Pompeo? His, his three lighthouses speech that he made uh, definitely hit the alternative media. I have a link to that up on American Partisan as well. And uh, it was all over Twitter. This is very, very significant because Pompeo has a lot of intelligence community ties, uh, Department of Defense ties. There, there's some people that are interpreting him in different ways and being a a uh, instrumental part of the Trump White House and, and uh, as, as a Secretary of State, what what do you make of that? What do you think his power play is going to be? I don't I don't know. It's it's watching. You know, they're going to you know interview Bannon and, and everybody on the, uh, the 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 Stalin trial there up at the Capitol right now. Um, and so many people have come out of, of Trump's administration once he left office, coming out against him. You know, um, they were they were all Team Trump while they were there. And as soon as he came, as soon as he left office, so many people turned on him. And I think it was they were doing that just to save political careers. Um, and so I, I've got to wait and see against everybody that that worked for him. Honestly, um, it's sad to say that. But I'm I'm holding out a wait and see. Yeah. I, well, with his recent weight loss, uh, when he yeah he's dropped some serious weight now. <laughs> yeah. I mean Pompeo, Pompeo. I mean he he was kind of a, a Tony Soprano kind of character. You know, he he was a guy who when they they interviewed him on the mainstream media outlets. He was definitely, you could tell he had this air of seriousness about him. He was a guy that you, you didn't want to cross. Um, but he he had a, uh, I mean, you know, he, him being kind of a heavy set guy and he, he'd gained some weight and, you know, that, that it, it, they, one of the, one of the things about political science, there's a, there's a maxim there about, do you look good on TV? And uh, somebody certainly has been coaching him along. I mean, he didn't he didn't just all of a sudden get on a keto diet and drop 100 pounds or, or whatever it was he, he claimed. It looks like it was probably 100 pounds, maybe a little more. And um, it, it's it, it it's very, very interesting to me. It's very, very interesting to me. Um, and, and I think he's, well, he's definitely going to be somebody to watch. He is for sure. He's, he's, you know, he still talks right about, about China. 
um, which, you know, Trump was always very strong against China. And you look at what Biden's doing with China right now, you know, loosening the restrictions Trump put on. Um, and, and we know, obviously, Biden's family is is severely compromised by the Chinese. Uh, and that's just oh, a fact, yeah. going back to what we started at the top here with, you know, uh, they sell a million barrels or five million barrels of oil, whichever the number was. I can't remember off the top of my head now to, to some Chinese oil firm that Hunter Biden is on the board of. I mean, that's conflict of interest right. much open in the public, in your face. And you know, they're not even trying to pretend no more. They do not care. Um, yeah. They'll just stick it right in your face. Uh, and, and everybody just kind of shrugs and goes, oh, well, you know, yeah, that sucks. But what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Right. Well, and the thing is, though, my question with Pompeo is, is he serious, though? Is he serious about getting hard on China? I think that he represents a certain political faction uh, of, of, quote unquote, the, the mainstream Republicans uh, what some people call the rhinos, what I personally refer to as the, the deep state Republicans, because there, there's another faction there. They're profiteering off of Raytheon and General Dynamics and, and the military industrial complex. And they know that, that the jig in Ukraine is up. That's on borrowed time. I mean, everybody predicted this. We predicted it. Ne- you know, we, we never should have messed around there. But whatever, that, that ship has sailed. And now we're we're really running into uh, dangerous territory here. And I think that Raytheon is looking at how do we make money? How do we continue to make money? How do we get these new contracts? You know, and, and, and we've got to put our guy in in order to do that. And I think Pompeo really represents kind of a George W. Bush kind of character um, going into this. And maybe, and and I hope that I'm wrong. Uh, I hope that I'm wrong by that. But he just, there's a lot of things about him that are lining up that I think um, are a little too convenient. And then he he goes and he gives that three lighthouses speech, which was, if, if, if folks out there listening, if you haven't heard this speech, you need to go listen to it. Seriously, you, you, you need to go listen to it. There's some transcripts floating around out there. There's a lot of audio, video footage of it. You need to go listen to it because it is literally framing the next steps in American foreign policy. Uh, so with that said, let, let's take it back to Biden. And all this stuff, this cavalcade of, of information is being released today about him, his approval poll now you've got the New York Times that's questioning his cognitive abilities as well. Uh, I mean, where I don't know where they've been all this time, but, you know, they're, they're finally getting on it. What's the chances that he gets 25th Amendmented, uh, amendmented, got to get my words out, after the midterms? Well, that was. That was kind of the running joke lead in the election. Like right after he was elected, everybody was saying that was going to happen. You know, um, that he'd get a year in or something like that, and and his 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 own administration would, would hit him with the Twenty Fifth Amendment, and and still uh you know Kamala and and, and you know and, and do you know make Hillary vice president it was all these you know stories we we kept hearing. Um, he's obviously unfit to continue to serve. 
and they're going to have to replace him. I think that when they take a trouncing in the midterms, because we know that they're going to, uh, um, they're going to take a beating and they're going to lay all that squarely at Biden's feet and just totally blame it on him. Um, and then they're going to, you know, and then Obama will probably call him and tell him, you know, for the good of the country, he needs to do this kind of a thing. Um, I can, I fully anticipate it happening. I'm curious as to what kind of horror show erupts after that. Um, because Kamala Harris can't string a sentence together. I mean, every time she's on video <laughs> speaking somewhere, she just talks in circles. It's just word salad. She can't, she can't make a, 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 a form an actual thought and express it to somebody. Um, so I, she, she terrifies me because she is so inept and incompetent. Um, and then it's like, who's really behind the scenes in, in, in you know, keeping Biden moving right now? Because his staff is exiting the White House at a record pace right now. Um, you know, and that's when that started happening, I told everybody, well, there's your cue, all right? The administration is falling apart because the rats are leaving the ship. Um, if everything was going swimmingly, you know, on Pennsylvania Avenue, none of those people would be bailing like they are. But they're, they're all leaving, you know? I mean, it's, it's not quite bojo level yet, but it's getting there. You know, so when his own people don't want to be a part of the game, game anymore, that's a pretty big clue. Yeah. And and just as you pointed out, they, they're leaving at a record pace. It, it's it's very interesting to me. The ones who are sticking around, I'm not really sure why. Uh, Pete Booty Judge is I, I heard a. a where a piece today where he was defending um, basically how you have our our Supreme court justices uh, who are being actively stalked uh, doxxed in real time. Their their geolocation is, is being put out there, you know, and you got Brett Kavanaugh uh, who was stalked at a Morton's uh, steakhouse in, in the DC area. And, um, you know, and, and, and harassed and, and, and threatened. I mean, he was just subject to an assassination attempt uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So uh, with that said, if Pete Buttigieg gets out there and, and says, well, we, we I can't tell you how many times I've been uh, harassed in public. Yeah, you can't because it's been never. Because that's not something conservatives do. That's not something your political opposition does. We don't do that because we're busy working every day. We're busy with our day-to-day lives, and we don't have enough time. And we know that if we get, if if the cops get called on us for doing something like that, we ain't got no ACLU or ADL or or any of that to bail us out. We ain't got none of that. Or yeah, our bond, yeah, bond funds out there set up specifically to bail you out. It, it will be interesting yeah. when, yeah, I mean, if, if a leftist, if a, a Democrat, um, I call them leftists anyway, but there are differences between Democrats and leftists, but these days the lines are fairly blurred. But um, if one of them was to actually receive real demonstrations on the level of what the Supreme Court is seeing and, and what others see, you know, those that are out there listening to Maxine Waters telling them, you know, don't give them no peace, get in their face in the streets stuff you know aoc likes to go on twitter and say that you know people protest her all the time and stuff no they don't like you said we we don't do that Where? but when it happens to them and, and it, you know that's a day that's probably coming it could happen to them well they say then well that's how democracy works you know or is it going to be a crime are they going to treat them like they do the january 6th uh protesters and lock them up indefinitely without due process 
You know, right. is it is their version of democracy for all of us or is it just for them? Well, it, it, it's the world of 1984. It's the world of, of Ingsoc and Oceania that we 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 don't have any justice. We only have crimes. And that's the world in which we find ourselves. That is how we we are um, administering that. And when I say we, I don't mean you and I or, or the people that are, uh, for the most part, listening to this podcast, but how the United States is currently administered. And, and there has never been a more clear cut case of a dual system of justice as what we have right now. But you can only suppress the people. And abuse the people for so long before there's a a major pushback. And we're seeing that. They they're seeing it too, and they know this. And I think that's that's what scares them so much. The whole January 6th thing, the the billboards that went up and with the FBI, and you know, if you know anybody who was at the Capitol on January 6th, call the FBI. Like this is all just an intimidation factor this is all a scare tactic of we're, we're gonna make you think that we're so much better than we really are and they're not not and and whenever you have an organization that is made up of humans that is fundamentally flawed it's going to continue to be so and and so uh so we we can say the the uh chances of a 25th amendment at right after the midterms is high um, very, very high. And, and I think, uh, they let, what do you think to, to them letting Kamala Harris, you already said, you know, she, it, and you're exactly right. Word salad and, you know, nothing of value really comes out of her mouth. Um, but you know, what, what, what are the chances that they're setting her up for a fall? I wouldn't doubt it. Um, I don't, I don't know that she has much support, even in the administration. You know, she's, you, you look at the vice presidents typically take on like one, one thing there, there in the presidency, right? Like, um, they right. tackle one, one thing, uh, you know, the, the, in the political arena, what has she taken on? Not nothing. Well, it was she's, supposed she's to be She's not tackled foreign policy. She's not tackled supposed to be the court yeah it it was supposed to be the border and she did such a horrible job she didn't even go there and i was gonna say but that's just it yeah on paper she has but she's not actually done anything you know um she she has nothing to to point to, to to give her any credibility uh to 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 point to as an accomplishment, not that the entire Biden administration has anything to point to as an accomplishment. They're going to try to claim COVID, beating COVID, you know, quote quotation marks was their accomplishment, but that's not an accomplishment because that's not beat uh, to their definition of it. Um, I, I can't imagine that they would make her president. Um, and then the thought of who they would stand up as a VP is even scarier. Yeah. That's definitely that's definitely an interesting question too uh, that, that I've seen bantered about. It, it's been up on the forum. There's uh, kind of a, a running poll of like who people think it's gonna be. I don't know, man. Who, who do you think? 
in in what what are you hearing through the grapevine? Who who do you think it's going to be is, is going to be the the new Veep? Well, if they were to make Harris president, um, it, it will be another woman of color. You can you can bet your ass on that. Um, it will not be a man. Uh, it'll be another another woman of color um, because that will be a, a momentous moment in U.S. history. Uh, and that's to them. It's all about optics anyway. It's not about uh, your skill set or you fit for the job or qualified or nothing like that. It's all optics to them. Um, so they'll, they'll put somebody else in there, you know, like Kamala that can't do, don't know how to do shit. You know, terrifyingly, in, in a worst case scenario to me, it's Stacey Abrams. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. I I, I just got a feeling. Um, Abrams Abrams has recently made some moves in Georgia, which I know you've been on top of, and um, yeah. I, I can see it, man. I can definitely see it. But they'll they'll be. It'll all be for show, like I said anyway, because if. The Democrats take the kind of beating that it's it's being forecasted for them to take. She'll essentially be a lame duck president because um, the Republicans will have the House and the Senate. They won't be able to pass any legislation. And the only thing that, that Kamala will be known for is vetoing anything that the Republicans want to do. That'll be it. And we have to see if the Republicans will even play hard ball with them, you know, or are they going to do what they always do? And, you know, unfold like a lawn chair in a damn hurricane. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely going to be two years of, of a lame duck presidency one way or the other. And and I see it, man. I, I definitely. But that begs a question, too. So we have we have a mountain of, of enemies out there. You know, American foreign policy is completely collapsed in South America, Central America. Yeah. We've got literally every country in Central America openly inviting in Russian and the Chinese militaries. Um, right now, Nicaragua is in the process of constructing a new canal to replace the uh, Panama Canal, which is very, very old very antiquated, needs a lot of updates to it. So uh, they're digging a new one with the help of Chinese interests. Um, how how are they going to exploit the power vacuum? The Chinese and the Russians? Well, it's, it's kind of a dream come true for them uh, right. to achieve that foothold in South America. And, and not only are they getting the opportunity to achieve the foothold – those, those nations are begging them to come in, you know. Um, they represent money, obviously. That's what the South American countries want. Um, and, you know, Russia and China are wanting to, you know, China's wanting to continue the Belt and Road Initiative, um, and that's a big step in it for them. You know, they're going to be able to frame the geopolitical scene in South America, you know, in our backyard, which is a major coup for them. We've been doing it to them, essentially, in Europe, well, to Russia. We've been doing it to them in Europe. And to China, we've been doing it with Japan and in the South Pacific. Um, now they get the chance to come play in our sandbox. And they're going to take full advantage of that. You know, they're not going to let that slip by them. You know, Maduro is talking about, you know, conducting a special operation against Colombia, just like 
same language that Putin used in uh, in Ukraine. Um, so we could be looking at a potential major conflict in South America. We think we have a migration crisis now, you know. Uh, and then you look at the numbers of countries around, in, including South and Central America, where the people in the streets protesting and rioting over, you know, economy, um, food prices, fuel prices, all that stuff. Um, it's it's we are not leading anybody at the moment. Um, the United States is. We're pouring all our efforts for some reason into Ukraine, uh, which, yeah, I get it. Russia invaded Ukraine. It's a bad thing, but there are no innocents in that conflict. It's like what I, what I like to tell people. Um, Ukraine is just as much to blame for it as Russia is. Um, so they're going to they're going to seize the opportunity to get over here. On, you know, like I said, in our backyard, that's a that's a major coup for them to achieve that. Yeah, I think so, too. And um, on that note, though, so we know unprecedented border crisis. We've got Greg Abbott, who's made some major moves. There's a judge in Texas that ruled um, that that what is going on at the border is an invasion. Uh, So finally, we have somebody in the judicial branch who is willing to call what is, is, um, call it like you see it, because that is what's going on. Uh, we've got all these industrial accidents. We've got a lot going on that looks like industrial sabotage, that looks like America is under siege. What are you seeing from your angle that would support such a hypothesis? Well, you know, something happens once, that's one thing. Something happens twice, that can be coincidence. It happens three times, that's the beginning of a pattern. And we're up to, what, 99 or 100 of these these incidences now? Um, yeah. You're looking at Texas power grid, warning of blackouts. You're looking at power problems in the desert southwest in California. You're looking at epic water problems out there, too, um, which those are just basic violations of carrying capacity, essentially is all that is. You can't put that many people in a place not designed to support that many people. Um, so that's part of, that's our fault to a degree, uh, you know, but the over, it, it's the weird stuff. Like you're telling all these little things that are happening. Like right now on Twitter, New York City is is putting out PSAs about a nuclear strike, about what to do in the event of a nuclear attack. So we've got food prices going up. We've got fuel prices and fuel scarcities, which a lot of people aren't talking about the, the scarcities of motor oil, machine oils, death fluid, which is a big one. Um, yeah. All of a sudden, that stuff's hard to get to. Why, why is everything so hard to get? Like that stuff's made domestically. Oils, death fluid, that's, that's domestically manufactured, produced. How come we're having a hard time getting it? You know, we had a we had a bird flu going on at the same time food prices go up and we're having to slaughter off stocks while other chicken houses are burning to the ground around us. It's it's too much to be coincidence. Um, it, you know, and, and I don't want to you know use the term deep state, but but there is a bigger player at play here. There's obviously we know that for a fact because it, it's it's too much to be coincidence. You know, and and they started prepping us for this you know a year ago when they started talking about. Oh, fuel prices and food shortages, you know, that could be a potential. Because I'd like to tell folks, they will always tell you what they're going to do before they do it. They'll always tell you because that just gets you ready. So that way, when they start saying it's happening, you're going, oh, yeah, they've been talking about that for a year. That's finally happening. 
No, they, they told you about it because they were going to make it happen. <laughs> and they just need you to get comfortable with it first. Right. So it's all by design right. at this point. You know, it's like it's, it's a purposeful. Uh, someone's trying to bring the U.S. to its knees. And they're doing a very damn good job of it. They're succeeding, whoever it is. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, you know, we a lot of times we get tied up in this thought process of, you know, uh, uh, what I call the binary thinking or dichotomous thinking of, of this or that. Is it in your estimation? And, and I want to revisit the, the uh, nuclear warnings in New York here in a second, but um is is it our deep state, quote unquote, which is really just the, the bureaucratic class coming out of D.C.? Are they working in cahoots? Is is there some sort of global conspiracy behind all this, or is it simply different factions that are opportunists that see, all right, this opportunity is opened up, and and we're going to take advantage of it? I think there is a plan. You know, obviously, you can't look at people like Klaus Schwab, the WEF, and all that, and 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 think that they're just benign, you know, um, trying to, to to better humanity. You know, um, especially when you look at the things that they support and and the the, the initiatives that they're trying to drive forward. Um, and then and when you look at too, who stood him up? You know, where did Klaus Schwab come from? You know, you look at all the politicians. I forget what's that word that all the politicians are coming out of these days. The the uh, the, the leader thing that they're all yep. graduates of now, which is yep. I just call it Schwab. The global uh, leader initiatives. Yeah, global leader initiatives. Yeah. There you go. So, Policy so, gap. So they're all kind of, and not just Crenshaw. And yeah, not just for here. Characters. They're they're all the countries. You know, all countries. That's where they're coming from. And so if if that's the funnel that the future leaders of, of all the nations are kind of filtering through, that should be a clue. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if that's the common thread and, 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 and then you look at these people when they get into their positions, what's their attitude and what's their line of thinking? Um, it's not conservative by any means. They're all uber liberal, progressive liberal. Right. Um, so they're, they're, they're being, they're being prepped to go out and carry somebody else's water for them. And that's what they're doing. And, you know, and again, it's the kind of thing that no one mentions or talks about that, that there is. And again, I don't like, you know, using the, you know, this isn't like Spectre, you know, but uh, but there is something there. There is someone driving the narrative. Um, exactly who? I'm not sure. But I know they do not have my best interests in mind. And I know they do not have my country's best interests in mind. Right. No, and, and they don't. They, they're not going to. And and. I don't know. I think Spectre is a good analogy for that because they, uh, <laughs> Ian Fleming certainly knew the deal on a few topics. And, uh, if you, if you read, actually read the books that he wrote, not just the movies, they're great too. Uh, you know, the Sean Connery movies, uh, Bond movies are great, but the, the actual books that Ian Fleming wrote, they're very, very fascinating, and and that kind of sets the stage. I mean, Ian Fleming being uh, a foundational member of uh, the the uh, uh, secret intelligence service of of Britain, and then uh, what became MI6. Um, 
he he definitely was initiated into a certain community out there and uh i think that was part of the the popularity early on with bond was that it was giving people it was giving us commoners so to speak a view behind the curtain of this this might be what's really going on and this is how we can break down uh and make sense of a lot of different things of the day and and I don't know. I, I think that they there definitely is something to all that. Uh, but, you know, the Soros Global Leaders Initiative um, it, and, you know, those names that I already mentioned that are on there is certainly something to be made of that. Uh, you don't you have to keep in mind, too, you don't get invited to that table with already having something of note. You know, and 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 being in a position of influence, being in a position of affluence, which are are mutually exclusive from one another. Uh, so th- there's certainly something to it. Now, again, I, I don't know if if there's a conspiracy between uh, China and them and Russia and and how this is is going together. I think uh, personally, there there might be some competing factions, but they definitely are exploring ways and uh, of of attaining permanence of power and gaining that that power as well and and it doesn't involve the united states as we understand it and recognize it today now you're you're absolutely right on that that's part of their part of their goal is they have to get rid of the united states as it exists today um we're one of the biggest obstacles to their plan um, so, so that's got to go. That can't remain. Um, so that's why they're they're trying to educate our leaders and, and do the stuff they're doing, so they can come in and fundamentally trans and they transform the country from the inside out. You know, and Obama said that the day he took office. You know, um, and he comes from the same ilk. You know, he comes from the same place. And as far as Russia, you know, whether they're a part of it or not, I don't believe they honestly are because the whole world, the the, the leaders of the world, hate Putin. Um, and that's because, you know, he talks about the decadence of the West and the, and, and the problems that we have because of the progressive policies that we're embracing. Um, and he's not he's not down for any of that. You know, um, he is very conservative. You know, people may not realize that, you know, he, he's a Russian, but Putin's very staunchly conservative. Um, he's not liberal in any degree whatsoever. Well, and you found that a lot, interestingly enough, and, and ironically, you found that a lot among the old hardline communists that they they actually saw it. And it, it, again, it's very ironic. They actually saw it very strict moral standards and behavioral standards for their society to keep a productive society. And I think that that's where Putin comes from. Uh, Fidel Castro was very, very infamous uh, for that. Uh, he looked at, at things like gambling and homosexuality as, as being caustic to the, and, and that was specifically his words that was caustic to a functioning society. Uh, so it, it's very, all those things are very interesting to me. And, and that's why, um, I wrote a piece yesterday that that uh, went on AmericanPartisan.org, of course, as well as the Burning Platform, and um, I talked about that. How 
you know, liberalism, I, I should say Western liberalism is not necessarily congruous with leftism. And I was making a much larger point there about how uh, Latin American leftism views the United States. And they, they view leftists in the United States as a product of, of uh, soft living, essentially, as, as a bourgeois construct. And it's just very ironic. Um, and, and you're exactly right in that observation. You know, in, in, it's also very interesting that in Russia, conservatives are the folks who want to go back to the Soviet days that want to go back to the Soviet hegemony. Uh, liberals are the ones who want to work with the West. So it, it, it's it's very, very interesting, it, the, the internal dynamic there inside the Duma, uh, which, which is the, the Russian parliament. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit because I want to get your thoughts on uh, one of the big news items of the week, the assassination of Shinzo Abe, which is huge. Huge, huge news, not just in, in Japan, but really for the entire world. Break this down for us. W what's your interpretation of exactly what's going on there? W what's the bigger picture as you see it? Well, I mean, I've been following that, you know, obviously since it went down. And and the, the current explanation for it of, of this guy did this. Uh, because of a religious cult, essentially, that destroyed his family, and he thought Abe was a part of that, and and hit him just for that reason. All right, that's one line of thinking. Um, the biggest thing to me, though, was the the utter failure of his security detail. Why was why was he that exposed? That that guy was able to get that close to him and use essentially a homemade blunderbuss to kill him with. Um, it was almost like it was, you know, was set up for that to occur. I don't know if you've seen the, the, any of yeah. the photos or anything of the other weapons that I was making, the other explosives and stuff. Um, yep. They're interesting to say the very least, you know. Yeah. So, I, so I'm not sure. You know, I keep reading about the guy that, that did it. And uh, and the fact he put up no resistance, he didn't fight at all. It's, it's kind of like we see here when there's some guy goes up and shoots someplace up. And the cops roll up. He just puts his hands up and surrenders. That, it, uh, yeah, it's illogical to me. I, I'm going to walk into a grocery store or I'm going to get on the roof, you know, in downtown and shoot up a parade or shoot up a grocery store. But the moment that the police roll up, I'm just going to surrender myself quietly and peacefully. You know, that, that's illogical to me. If you're willing to go out and commit mass murder, why are you not willing to shoot it out with the police, too? But these guys right. always do it. They always surrender. It, you know, you and I both have been involved in in violent encounters at some point yeah. or another in our lives. And your physiological response to that, your adrenaline, e even if, and, and I can tell you as somebody who's initiated the violence, um, your adrenaline's pumping. You're you're not. It's not a calm response that you have after the the effect right that that's not th this and that was what stood out to me about the assassination this guy just stood there you know and on one yeah, hand you could chalk that up to 
it, it, you know, Japanese culture is, is very different, uh, socially than, than American culture. Okay. But physio, like there's not a cultural way that we override a physiological response. It just doesn't happen. When that, yeah, when that adrenaline dumps, you get vasodilation, you get auditory exclusion, visual exclusion, you know, yeah. all this stuff that happens to you. And, and like you said, this guy was just standing there cool as a cucumber. You know, yeah. no worries to him whatsoever. You know, there was a piece that I put up that that um, there was some evidence that supported that he had a Chinese handler, the assassin. Uh, specifically had a Chinese handler that he was getting instruction via uh, a a Chinese offshoot of Twitter. And I put all that up on American partisan. I I think that is fascinating. Is it plausible? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it, it fits certain, I mean, whenever you have assassinations, it always comes down to a certain geopolitical goal that's being realized there. Um, you know, even if they say, oh, oh, it's just benign or it's, it's whatever. No, um, you don't. It never, it never is, man. No. Especially look at the media, look at what the media did to Abe after his, after his assassination. And and that's another thing, dude, they won't call it an assassination. What's the media said? He died after being shot. I I read another one today that, that someone else died after their car was blown up. I'm like, what? what? It's it's newspeak. I get that, but you know, they called Abe uh, divisive and all this other stuff. He was the longest-serving PM of Japan, and he was an ultra-conservative. Yep. Then you look at what the Chinese did after Abe was assassinated, and they celebrated, like the whole country celebrated yeah. his assassination. Yep. He he so, literally. I like say a connection to China. I can absolutely see that being real. Yeah. I mean, to to the Chinese, Shinzo Abe represented Chinese imperial or uh, Japanese imperialism. That's that is literally yes. what he represented. So when when we make the joke, you know, somebody is, li- you know, they, they literally like the left is literally making somebody into Hitler. That that actually isn't a joke when it comes to China and how they viewed Shinzo Abe. Uh, but I think that it's interesting too. Somebody sent me over some stuff about Shinzo, uh, which I didn't really, I didn't pay that much attention to him as a prime minister. Um, but he, I did know that they, he, he was very reluctant to go along with, uh, a lot of the COVID restrictions. He did not enforce vaccination mandates. And this what what I was sent was kind of drawing a parallel between those two and and saying that, you know, it it looks like somebody's tying up some loose ends. What do you think about that? I wouldn't doubt it. You know, Uh, he was a he was a world leader that didn't want to go along with the program. You know, you're you're seeing people every day in politics that that are uh, turning up positive for covid. And what they say, they're positive, but I'm thankful for the protection of my vaccines. Um, well, obviously, they didn't work. They're not vaccines to start with, and you got sick. So anybody who – but, but that shows you the level of, I don't know, programming or, or, or hypnosis or something these people are under. 
um, that no matter what, they're going to carry the message. And guys like Abe and Trump and even Putin, they don't want to carry that message, you know. Um, and like you said, it could be, it could be, you know, Spectre could be out there tying up loose ends, man. I mean, <laughs> it sounds crazy to say, but but these people are a genuine threat to the overarching power that be globally. Uh, and I genuinely believe that there really is an organization somewhere that's that's running this stuff. It ain't one dude; it's a group. Um, yep. And and they have a plan for what they want to see implemented, and it's not working out for them. Um, and they got to start getting rid of some of these players. I think that's why they demonize Russia the way they do, trying to keep the entire world hating them. And I'm not a Russia fan, guys. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not here to defend Putin. Um, right. But you know, with my own eyes, I can see what's happening. I, I can understand it. You know, because um, because I'm I'm looking at it. You know, this from, you know, from a disconnected position. What, what's happening here, and um, you know, and what are the reasons why? So. Um, I've always said that the war in Ukraine could have been avoided if the the world would have just listened to Putin, took him serious for a minute, um, and and agreed with him in that no NATO admission and no weapons in Ukraine. You know, Ukraine's not going to qualify for NATO admission for at least two decades, and we don't need to put rockets in Ukraine. We got stuff that will fly right over Ukraine. Big deal. But no, they wanted to make a point that telling Putin, you can't tell another sovereign country what to do. Oh, you mean like we did uh in the 60s with Khrushchev we can't do they can't do it exactly what we do or what we do every day when we go around topple regimes so right. these players that don't want to go along with the global scheme have to be handled or brought back in line and i think that may have even just been a message you know um yeah you know toe the line or else no i agree I agree. And with, with just a few minutes left in the interview, I, I want to revisit this nuclear uh, uh, public service announcement that was yeah. put out in New York. Um, because I, I literally, while we're on air right now, I've, I've got uh, uh, a couple of people who are texting me. They literally texted me the same thing uh, almost simultaneously. And it's a video of this. And um you know, it, it's I, I'll be honest, it's a little bit unsettling, to say the least, um, that they're they're telling us this. Uh, we know, of course, predictive programming and, and everything else. What do you make of this, brother? I, I'm not sure. So in, in part, and here's why I'm going to get a little technical. And, and most folks out there listening to this already know this kind of thing. So um you look at what they're telling people to do. There's three points. Get inside fast, you know, get into the building, move away from windows, stay inside, you know, all that bullshit. And then stay tuned. This is the one that really confuses me. Stay tuned. Follow media. Sign up for Notify NYC. Uh, and officials will send wireless emergency alerts. I guess that they forget about the Carrington effect. That yeah. when a nuke is detonated. There is an EMP associated with it. None of that shit's going to work. So, well, and, and the widespread devastation. Food. I mean, cell phone networks are are going to go down. I mean, they they were uh, on 2001, so or, or 9/11 rather, back in 2001, we had a much more rudimentary system back there. A lot of it was analog, but it it still, even still, it it was overloaded. Uh, rapidly overloaded. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, but, you know, the EAS system was, was predicated on 
terrestrial radio, and back then, when it really was kicked off and kind of a big thing, radio still had tubes in them. So they were essentially EMP safe, you know, for the most part. But the digital electronics we have today, like you just said, they're going to destroy the nodes and everything for Internet anyway. How are they going to be sending information to people? I, I don't know if this is more to do with a, a potential nuclear attack or if they're prepping people for these same vehicles to be used for other means. I'm not sure what that is yet, but just looking at how they think that they're going to to address the public tells me that they're not thinking this all the way through. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, it's they never do anything without an intent behind it. And this one video of the PSA in particular is, I mean, it's a video and it's a well-produced one at that. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. There, there was a forethought that was put into this and, and I just want to know what the impetus was for this very advertising. Well, they, can't, they made it a point to say that there was no, no initiating cause for them doing this. They're just, it's just a PSA, just, you know, in case it was to ever happen. And again, looking at the points that they make, um, because if you're in a blast radius, none of this crap matters, all right? So shut doors and windows, right. go to the middle of the building, get clean immediately, remove clothing, shampoo with soap and water, all right? Um, these things, and again, with how they, they plan to, to inform people, the first thing I thought when I read this whole thing and watched the video and then went through some of the slides that are out there for it too, was this would only work if it was a, a like a dirty bomb, not even a nuke, but just a dirty bomb was to be set off. Then all of these points here would make sense. Um, but even a low yield weapon, none of this is going to be effective anyway. Right. Yeah. It, it's it, yeah. The, the measures that they're describing here, uh, that I'm looking at. I'm going to have the links up to this on AmericanPartisan.org, but it isn't going to work. It, uh, I don't know. It, it looks like a lot of posturing to me. It, it, you know what this looks like to me is the administration, the powers that be, uh, the people that are running the show in New York City and in New York, the Eric Adams and the Hochels of the world – they want to, They want people to believe that they really are on top of this, um, but they they're not. It it it's an illusion. These, these are the most incompetent people in any room they walk into. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I mean, you you, you nailed it. The most incompetent people to walk in a room because these these um, points that they're giving to the public as far as surviving a nuclear strike are as effective as wearing a mask to keep from getting a virus. Yeah, I mean, it, but they can protect it's, it's the all same level of crap. nuclear war. So, you know, well, you know, <laughs> they're going to keep poking Russia, you know, and God forbid, you know, anything happens. Well, stuff's already happened inside Russia. That's nothing most people don't know about. There's there's a considerable amount of sabotage taking place over there right now. Um, oh, yeah. And and I know Putin will only put up with that for so long. Yeah, no. it, there's definitely a shadow war that, that's taking place in their industrial sector. 
and that that's something that that our media has yet to even broach um but i think that there's one that's occurring here as well and it, it's definitely a, a tit for tat um almost a I don't necessarily want to call it the Omega plan, um, but it certainly looks like it. it certainly looks like it. Yeah, it. It does have a little pink tint to it, doesn't it? Very much so. Very much so. Well, brother, with that said, man, a lot of interesting developments, a lot of stuff that is moving rapidly. And, um, Again, got a whole lot going on. Scout course down in Florida. You are the man in the hot seat hosting that on four through six November. So coming right up on the election. You're definitely going to want to get in on the scout course down there. We're going to have a heck of a lot of fun. Um, and uh, that's that's about as much as I could say about it. W- what say you? Always man um anytime we can get in the field and train we need to seize that opportunity guys and and all of you that are always out there asking how do i meet like-minded people and how do i build my network um I've, I've said it a million times before and i'll say it one more time now go take a training class all right um and i've trained with a lot of guys and i love training with you man your classes are fantastic you're you're a damn good instructor um and everybody that has been in a class with you when i've been around there's been several times now um, they they all leave um, saying that they got more out of it than they anticipated because you do it you do a really good job good. and then there's also you know there's the fellowship side of things which cannot be underestimated you know to get around Absolutely. like-minded people who think the way you do where for a little while you can let your guard down and you ain't got to watch exactly what you say you know you're free again for just a little while um, this will be hosted on some private land owned by a friend of mine um, who who we've expanded our land now haven't we I think uh, I think we've got access to just a little bit more there now uh, because uh, one of the neighbors showed up to the class and, and now now he's in on board on, on board as well. Yep. So I think right. it's fantastic. It's always a good time. You know, you, you can't train enough. Everybody needs to take every opportunity they can. And I mean, and this is the farthest south you come for sure. So, yeah, yeah. anybody who wants to train with Matt that lives in the southeast, this is a great way to get down here and have NC Scout down here in the gunshine state and get some training. In. <laughs> the gunshine state. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, brother. I love it. Cause see, this is, it. this is a nice little prelude for me because for me and Mel, our 32nd anniversary is December is November 10th, the Marine Corps birthday. So a few days in the right. woods with you doing a little shooting, peeking and peeking, and then me and her are going to have a nice little anniversary. I couldn't, couldn't plan a better uh, anniversary month. Right. Mel just asked me, where are you taking me? I'm taking you to North Florida to NC Scout Scout Rifle Class. <laughs> She's like, why do that? <laughs> Brother, it is last to have y'all on to get your breakdown of things, man, making sense of the world. God bless y'all, and I'll be talking to you again very, very soon. Catch you. Buddy. All right, brother. God bless all of you out there. Stay safe. This is NC Scout. Out.